This is an AMI podcast. I have such respect for artists in Canada, people who live with blindness and are doing what they love. Amy Amanti takes a deep dive into the world of art and accessibility. As an artist myself who identifies with having a profound sight loss, I am so keen to explore different art mediums and have discussions with people who are trying to say something with their art. Accessing Art with Amy. New episodes drop every other Thursday. Download this AMI podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Juwita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. The Accessible Canada Act, which became law in 2019, promises sweeping change for Canadians living with disabilities. According to Statistics Canada, almost one in five Canadians identifies as living with a disability. Besides that, just about everyone knows someone, a friend, colleague, or family member who lives with a disability. So it's important to operationalize the vision and intent of the Accessible Canada Act into concrete standards and practices to usher in transformative change. And just as Canadians with disabilities were instrumental in pushing for and shaping the Accessible Canada Act, it's important to remain engaged and informed as the hard work of creating and implementing federal standards gets underway. Today, we discuss Accessibility Standards Canada. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. My name is Chuita Gupta. I'm the host of the program. It's really great to be with you again today. As I like to remind you off the top of every show, you can visit ami.ca forward slash COVID-19, where you can get information about all of our daily coverage of the pandemic from the daily live shows, be it now with Dave Brown, Kelly and company, or whatever we tend to cover right here on The Pulse. And you can go and find it all in one place right on that website, ami.ca forward slash COVID-19. I don't know about you, but I was very excited about the implementation of the Accessible Canada Act. I've talked to people from coast to coast across this country who feel that it's a turning point for people with disabilities. I know because I attended the consultation right here in Toronto, that there was a lot of interest. There must have been thousands of people just at that one consultation. It was in February, I want to say 2017, 2018, thereabouts. And the room was packed so much so that they had an overflow room. And I will always remember that day clearly as though it were yesterday, because it shows how passionate and committed ordinary people, ordinary Canadians like you and me, are to seeing Canada be a barrier-free country for people of all abilities. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome in my guest. My guest today is Paul-Claude Berube, Chairperson for Accessibility Standards Canada, which was created in the aftermath of the passage of the Accessible Canada Act. Paul-Claude Berube, welcome to The Pulse. It is so great to have you on the program. 
Thank you so much to invite me to your program today. I'm very happy to be there with you. Uh, Paul, with all this talk about the pandemic, I almost feel bad about having forgotten about the important work that Accessibility Standards Canada is doing and has been doing in the last year since it was formed. Remind us what Accessibility Canada is. What is your role? Yes, uh, pleased to do so. Uh, First of all, I'd like to uh, recall that Accessibility Standards Canada is a departmental corporation of the Government of Canada. It has been created in 2019 under the Accessible Canada Act. And uh, what is particular with this organization, this is uh, uh, it's led by a board composed by a majority of persons with disabilities. So this is the only departmental corporation in the government of Canada who is led by a group of persons with disabilities. Mm-hmm. So th- this organization's objective is, like you said before, uh, to contribute to uh, have a Canada barrier free by 2014. So mm-hmm. it, it looks it looks uh, very very far, but it's not far uh, very far. It's just in 20 years. Mm-hmm. So this this is the main ma- main mandate of this organization. Mm-hmm. One of the ways in which I want to try and explain or understand how what you're doing is different from what's been happening before is by saying that a lot of Canadians with disabilities, when they have a problem, when something's inaccessible, it seems like the only route that's available to them right up to now is to go through the human rights process and maybe file a complaint or uh, launch a legal case and try and uh, fight for some of those rights. How is yeah. your work going to change that? So what's going to change on a systemic level? Yes, you are totally right uh, with this uh, uh, commitment. Uh, uh, of course, uh, what we uh, we know uh, up to now about uh, this kind of situation, it, it is uh, exactly what you described. Persons have to go to the to the Human Rights Commission and then ask for a, a complaint, you, you know, uh, and then uh, ask for a correction. But what is different with this new departmental corporation with Accessibility Standards Canada? What we would like to go to do, it is to, to develop standards, uh, standards that it will place the person with disabilities at the first level of accessibility uh, at the rule becoming the accessibility and uh, the, accept- the exception becoming uh, when it's not accessible. Uh, not mm-hmm. only, uh, so, so the standards bring the persons uh, w- uh, with disabilities in a t- situation that they do not have to complain anymore about the situation when uh, it's supposed to be, uh, it's supposed to be uh, accessible. So, um, so the, 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 it's totally different approach. Indeed it is. A few minutes ago, you said that Accessibility Standards Canada is a federal department which is led with the majority of people in that department being people with disabilities. This is such an important conversation to have. How has that changed the work that you're doing and the ways in which you're trying to incorporate the lived experience of people with disabilities moving forward and developing these standards? Yes, it, uh, it changed. It changed the concept, the, the the situation a lot because we have a person with disabilities uh, with a lived experience 
who can uh, share uh, this live experience uh, anytime uh, we have to, 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 to develop uh, material inside the organization. So we can, we can also count on the, on the consultations we have with, with groups of persons with disabilities and persons with disabilities uh, themselves outside the organization. But uh, what is different here, it is, uh, you know, having... Uh, the concept of uh, nothing without us, uh, nothing about us without us uh, applying uh, every time in what we are doing. So at the end, uh, if you consider that we have uh, a staff uh, of uh, ter- more than 30 persons now up to uh, almost 50 at the end of the, of the next year, then uh, a majority of persons with disabilities are also uh, um, um, are also member of the staff. You know, um, staff, uh, what I would like to say it is that staff members uh, are composed by a majority of persons with disabilities. So mm-hmm. it, it brings. Uh, uh, and when I talk about person with disabilities, I talk about um, multi handicap. You know, and not only person with, with using a wheelchair or a blind person, but all the all kind of disabilities. Mm-hmm. In Ontario, we have provincial accessibility legislation called the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act. And that piece of legislation was supposed to make Ontario barrier-free by 2025. Lots of advocates are complaining about it now, and they're saying, no, 2025, it's almost here, but Mm -hmm. Ontario is not barrier-free. So let me just go back to something you said before. The objective is to develop standards federally that will be in place by 2040 so canada will be barrier free by 2040 how can we learn from what happened in ontario and make sure that we have a plan to get from here to there so that you know close to 2040 people aren't saying oh nothing's gotten done (laughs) yeah 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 you're right and this is a very interesting and appropriate question uh it's why at the end of the first uh, year of activities of this organization I wrote uh, a message to all the board members and to the staff, uh, to the CEO, uh, to, to tell them, look at that. Uh, we are at the end of the first year now. What does it mean? It means that we have one year less to, to, to reach the goal. So now we cannot wait up to 2035 to, to say, oh, by the way, will we be able to to reach the goal on 2040? So I said we do not have 20 years to develop standards. We have uh, five to 10 years to develop standards, and then the rest of the time will will have to be used to to be sure that these standards will uh, will be executed, will, will be applied everywhere in the country. So um, it's why we began already to establish a relationship with uh, with uh, uh, government, provincial governments, and territories, and, and municipality governments, and and other stakeholders that it, it could uh, help us uh, when the standards are being developed to uh, to apply them everywhere in the country, and not only to the federal institutions. So in this case, what does it mean? It means that we are uh, totally aware right now that uh, we will have to to act very uh, strongly 
not in 2014, but uh, many years before the, the end of the of the goal, to be sure that we will reach it uh, uh, in 2014. Mm-hmm. And of so course, I, I, you... I really do not know what happened in Ontario about about their uh, roadmap to arrive to 2025. But I can tell you that. We already work on a roadmap for 2040. Mm, That's very good to hear. But, you know, one of the things you probably didn't expect, because none of us expected it, was COVID-19 and the pandemic. It's hard enough to start an agency and build from the ground up and start from scratch. You throw in the pandemic in the middle of all of that. Did COVID-19 have an adverse impact on your work in the preceding year? Uh. I, I would say uh, for sure yes, uh, but but you know um, what I'm particularly proud to say it is that uh, at the beginning of this organization it was expecting that we could develop the first standards uh, by the year 2023 or 2024, having the technical committees in place uh, by the year 2022. And what I can tell you it is that we have already the, the two first technical committees in place in, uh, before the end of 2020, and we will have two more by the end of this year, and we will have our first standards available at the end of the year 2021. It makes uh, something like two years before the plan. Uh, so the pandemic, uh, of course, changed, uh, ch- changed the, the, the way we do the things, but it did not create in the uh, delay uh, in, in the work we have to do. I have to say that we are in advance on the plan, um, and we will continue to go uh, uh, with, uh, with a very um, fast speed to continue to develop, uh, to do the work we have to do with, uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic or not you know so mm-hmm. um but we i have also uh, to say about the pandemic that it was a good opportunity for this organization to develop a series of ac- accessibility guidelines in the context of a pandemic like covid-19 mm-hmm. so the first set of guidelines uh, will be published next month uh and will focus on accessibility when working from home or returning to the workplace after an emergency or public health crisis. So you, you can see that uh, we are proactive. We use the pandemic to, uh, to develop uh, guidelines to help persons with disabilities and, and stakeholders and all the organizations to, to do the best, uh, to serve the, the, the best uh, possibilities for persons with disabilities in a case of a pandemic. Well, I have to say that's very good to hear because, you know, one of the things I was going to ask you about is COVID-19 and emergency planning for people with disabilities. One of the things I've heard from people with disabilities across the country is a sense that uh, Canadians with disabilities have been forgotten during the pandemic. So it's good to hear that Accessibility Standards Canada is being proactive about this. My name is Joita Gupta, and with me today is Paul-Claude Belroubet, who is the Chairperson for Accessibility Standards Canada. 
when the Accessible Canada Act came into force, I know from having conversations with people back then that there were at least seven priority areas that were identified by Canadians to develop some of these accessibility standards. I'm sure you would have wanted to start working on all seven right away, but that's probably not feasible. So what have you been working on? What standards are we are we talking about in terms of developing uh, the most the most recent uh, work that you've been doing? Yes, uh, last year, uh, I think it was in December 2019, the Board uh, of Directors of Accessibility Standards Canada um, uh, approved the first uh, uh, four priorities for the organization to develop standards. There were mm -hmm. uh, uh, the um, uh, outdoor spaces, one of them, uh, there were plain language, uh, the second one. The third one was uh, about uh, employment. And finally, the emergency egress. So we, uh, it was the, the, the first four priorities. We want to develop standards, and it is what we begin to do right now this, uh, this fall. So, uh, but uh, soon, in December, we will approve uh, other priorities for the next year. Mm -hmm. So uh, in all other sectors, uh, you mentioned seven sectors in the act, and of course uh, we will uh, we will continue to develop standards in all the sectors. For this year, like I said before, we have created the two first technical committees for the plain language and outdoor spaces, and mm -hmm. the two new committees uh, will be placed in in December uh, for the uh, I said before the, the emergency egress and uh, the employment. Mm. Now, just give us an idea of how this actually works. You've got the two technical standards committees set up already, two more to be set up very soon. How do these committees do their work? Do they uh, consult with uh, ordinary Canadians living with disabilities and other stakeholders? Is there a consultation process for people to get involved with? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, there are... Uh different way the, the uh, Canadian, uh, Canadian, all the Canadians, and not only Canadians with disabilities, but all the Canadians can provide their input. Um, it's crucial to draw on the experience and expertise of persons with disabilities and their representative organization, first of all, I'd like, I'd like to say. Uh, and I insisted with the board members and with the, with the staff uh, at the beginning of this organization that they understand that person with disabilities are also experts mm -hmm. uh, you know uh, because they were considering uh, having technical committees with experts and person with disabilities and I changed I changed their mind about this I told them uh, it is totally false what you what you said about this we have technical committees composed by experts mm -hmm. and between these experts we have person with disabilities this is First of all, and secondly, we consult Canadians in different ways uh, to get um, their um, their input at the different levels. So uh, it has been done to establish the priorities. It's having, and it's going to be done when when the the technical committees will develop the the first standards. Uh, the draft standards will be submitted to the Canadians for their uh, appreciation. Uh, to get their input and to improve them. 
so uh, and only at the end of the process, uh, the the, uh, the standards will be approved by the Board of Directors of Accessibility Standards Canada. But our goal is to involve our stakeholders and Canadians in many aspects of our work as possible. Mm-hmm. We we talk about technical committees, but also uh, uh, it's it's possible for uh, for them to uh, to participate to uh, to different uh, public consultations. We recently finished finished one. There will be other engagement other engagement opportunities moving forward. Uh, including uh, a virtual public meeting, so uh, we are uh, we we want to build in kid with the community of person with disabilities day by day, you know, and not once a year. Mm-hmm. Once the standards are created and your board of directors has approved it, what happens next? Give give us an idea about the process from that point on. Do they become yeah. part of the regulations of the Accessible Canada Act? Uh, yeah, uh, I have to say that uh, unfortunately, uh, the standards we develop uh, are not become automatically a regulation. So we had mm-hmm. to submit the standards to the minister responsible. In this case, it's about uh, ESDC, uh, Employment and Social Development Canada, who will submit the standards to uh, to the Parliament. Uh, to the to the, the, the legislation of Canada to turn them into a regulation. So mm-hmm. it is what it is what the Act says. Um, yeah. So uh, at that moment, it is the way it it, it is doing. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I we will see for the future how we, it will work. But my wish it is that. The, the Canadian and my wish and my understanding also it is that the Canadian government does not spend millions of dollars a year to create an organization to have standards that he that he will not turn into a, a regulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it's it, it's clear in my mind that the, the goal it is that all the standards developed become a regulation. Uh, and and uh, and uh, creates a rule. It, it's going to be mandatory for everybody to respect. Mm. Uh, just as we wrap up this portion of the conversation, uh, a bit of a thought exercise. Let's say that some of the standards you develop, or all of them, in fact, become part of the regulation after receiving approval from the government. What happens in situations where um, there are existing standards already in place? Maybe those are provincial standards. Maybe it's standards uh, for federal agencies or departments that already have uh, plans in place for accessibility. How do your standards work with what's already in place? Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you for for this question. Our goal it is to develop uh, the highest level of standard we can find not only in Canada, but around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the standards we are, we are going to develop, uh, will, uh, we would like to have it uh, a good example to, to be served everywhere around the world. So uh, what does it mean at the end? It means that, you know, it, it could have been very easy for us just to take the standards. It's, ex- it's already exists everywhere in different countries and then just uh, just uh, update them for Canada. But it's not what we want. We want to develop standards that they will be at the highest, highest level. 
what at the end uh, we bet that the provincial legislations and territories and uh, and also other countries would be interested by the work we are doing here and then will uh, we can export this material uh, not only in the, in the in the uh, around the world but also everywhere in Canada the, we want the government the municipal government using our standards we want the, the provincial legislation using our standards we mm-hmm. it's why we are developing relation with with the, the stakeholders right now to be sure that when we will arrive with the standards at the end uh, that they will be uh, they will be approved. They will be uh, used by uh, everybody, uh, and mm-hmm. not only by the federal institutions. Uh, mm-hmm. be, because we are doing this work to establish relation with with the stakeholders right now, and having the stakeholders participating in the uh, in the development of the standards. Uh, I'm um, very positive that uh, in the future they will be more than inter- interested to to work with these standards. So mm-hmm. I, I bet that we will have at the end uh, a huge book of of uh, at the uh, with standards, the the, the most uh, efficient standards we can we can find everywhere around the world. So it's, it's going to be created here in Canada and, and going to be used everywhere in my mind. Well, and the other thing to keep in mind is you've got a very ambitious research program as well. Unfortunately, we don't really have the time to get into the details about that. But just tell us where we can find out more about the work of Accessibility Standards Canada. Where's your website? Yes, we have uh, we have a website, of course, uh, and everybody can have access to uh, all the the information on the website of Accessibility Standards Canada. And and you know about uh, the annual report; it's available in different formats, and uh, all the person with disabilities could uh, could uh, have access. Uh, um, to uh, to the this report in PDF in ASL uh, LSQ Daisy and Braille, you know, uh, and it's possible also to call to make a call to uh, accessibility accessibility standards Canada to get a uh, a hard copy of the annual report. I can share the the, the phone number with you right now. It mm-hmm. is one eight three three eight five four. Uh, seven six two eight. I repeat, one eight three three eight five four seven six two eight. And it's possible for for you um, uh, for you to to find um, uh, all the information uh, concerning Accessibility Standards Canada on the different platforms uh, we are uh, like Facebook and and uh, LinkedIn and uh, also uh, Twitter. So um, we are very easy to find. Wonderful. Paul-Claude Berube, it has been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you to invite me today. It was a pleasure. That was Paul-Claude Berube, Chairperson for Accessibility Standards Canada. As you heard, they recently submitted their first annual report 
to the Parliament of Canada. And we will put a link to uh, the website for Accessibility Standards Canada. We will post their phone number on our show blog, ami.ca forward slash on the pulse. You are welcome to reach out to us in whichever way you'd like to give us some feedback. I would like to thank Paul Claude Belroubet for being our guest on the program. The technical producer for The Pulse is Nisreen Abdul-Majid. Andy Frank is the manager for AMI-audio. Paula Deneen is our technical supervisor. Thanks a lot for listening. Stay safe and have a wonderful rest of your day. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.